0: Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. This is week two of a who's who Christmas. If you're joining us online, then we just want to say thanks for joining us. We know there's a lot of things that you could be doing tonight, and uh, but you get to be here with us today. And so uh, we feel the love. Um, for those of you that come every single week and you're like, is online important? It's very important. And in fact, every single week, our numbers are climbing and climbing online. And the reality is in 2020, those people in many rights are just as part of, a ch- of our church as we are here. And so we want to uh, be welcoming to them and, uh, and if you are joining us online, uh, we encourage you to come check it out in person. We'd love to have you. Okay, so uh, let's start off with this question. Uh, wh- what did you anticipate around Christmas, more so growing up? Or if, if you're like, hey, I feel like I'm still growing up right now, uh, what do you anticipate? What are the things that you look forward to? Uh, did you anticipate family traditions? Uh, for me, my family traditions, um, one of my family traditions was Kind of going up to the attic in in you know Clark Griswold style, uh, digging out the the uh, decorations. But specifically, and where we differed from Clark Griswold is that uh, we would always pull out an artificial tree. Uh, Clark always cut down you know his own real one off on a mountain. But but we are team fake tree. Anybody else team fake tree in here? Come on, yeah, give me a hoop and a holler. That's right. Okay, all right. If you're team real tree, you can leave. No, I'm joking. No no. If, if you're team real tree, raise your hand. If you're team real tree, okay, all right. Okay, so um, so really interesting, we've had several debates over this in the past week. Uh, if you follow us on social media, as we were talking about it there, but then I started having the conversation with people in person. We're a split house. My wife grew up, uh, her family owns a Christmas tree farm, um, and so I grew up in a very practical home, and we're like, listen, uh, why are we going to spend money every single year on something we could buy one time and just put up every year, right? So anyway, uh, we're, we're Team Fake Tree, uh, you know, in, the, in, the, in my side of the family. So what we would do is we would go get that fake tree, we would pull it out, we would put you know the Christmas lights on it, and that was like one of our one of our traditions. Another tradition was that we would um, we would bake Christmas cookies. Now some of y'all bake like a batch of Christmas cookies. No, no, my mom would spend two full days, full days baking Christmas cookies. I guarantee you she would bake anywhere between six hundred to eight hundred Christmas cookies. And she would give them to the school. She would give them to the police department. She would give them to the fire department. She would give them to anybody. It was not COVID friendly. You know, it wasn't a thing then, right? Uh, There wasn't this like individually wrapped cookie business, okay? It was like the lady down the street put a bunch of sugar in a bowl and gave it to you, right? So that's what my mom did. Uh, And uh, I would always help her with that. Um, I would put uh, the frost, well, not not so much the frosting. I would really put the sprinkles on. More than anything, I think I just annoyed my mom. Uh, But that was part of our Christmas tradition right there. Also, uh, we would, um, you know, typically we would watch a different Christmas movie almost every night of the week, uh, Hallmark for the win, right? Um, and uh, they were boring to me because they were always like some like cheesy, cheesy love, you know, Christmas movie, right? Who, who loves those cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies? Raise your hand. Okay, we got a couple people. Unashamed. It's all right. It's okay. All right. And then, uh, and then the final thing that was so exciting for me with Christmas tradition was going to my grandmother's house. And I would, I, would, I would sit in the front room of my grandmother's house, and specifically, all, all I wanted to hear um, when I was really young, all I wanted to hear were, were, were the deer stories from deer season, it's true, the, the deer stories from my uncles. That's all I wanted to hear. And then, when I got of, you know, of age to hunt, which if you're guessing, like, what age is that in Ohio? It's 10. And so, when, you know, when I got of age to hunt, then I wanted to give my deer stories, you know? And it was this rite of passage where, like, all the men circled around, and we talked about what we did during deer season now listen i don't know i don't know what your traditions were I, I, I don't know what you did as a family i don't know if you were team fake tree uh, or team real tree i don't know that if you know maybe maybe you went to a mountain and you cut down a christmas tree i was talking to someone recently they said yeah we you know we didn't even pay for one we just went up to a to somewhere in the, in the wilderness cut it down and took it home uh it wasn't shaped as a christmas tree because it wasn't being shaped all year but we just did that you know um, and uh, I, but I don't know, you know, maybe you went to Ted Drews, or maybe you went to the Kirkwood Optometrist, or maybe you went to Kirkwood Market, and you got a real train to supported someone local. You know, maybe you served at a nonprofit and you, you made someone else's Christmas a little more hopeful and bright. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but I think we all have some sort of thing that we anticipate around Christmas. The word Advent is something that we use here in the church. It's really, honestly, truly, it very much is a Christian word. Uh, you don't really hear it much outside of church. Uh, but, but the word Advent comes from the word Adventist, right? And it means, just like Miss Graham said, it's, it's, it's something is coming or arriving. See, this is a season where we sit in anticipation. We're excited for one thing. And that one thing is when when Jesus, the Savior of the world, enters as a baby and we get to praise and worship him. That's what we do during Christmas season. That's what we do during the Advent season, anticipation. Today we're going to be looking at a group of people that uh, they kind of started, in, in many rights, they, they started in this anticipation. They kind of started the Christmas traditions, right? Um, the shepherds were a little different. The shepherds, uh, last week we talked about that, and by the way, um, Craig crushed it. So if you were here last week, then you were blessed by it. If not, look it up online and listen to it. It was really good. He did a great job. But as Craig preached about the shepherds, the thing is, they were kind of caught unexpectedly, right? Like, they, they, they weren't anticipating it. Um, you know, they were, they, were, they were caught in the moment. Um, for, for, the, for the magi, that's what we're going to look at here in a minute. For the magi, for the wise men, it was different. Th- there, was some inter- there was some anticipation, around that moment, okay? So that's what we're going to look at today, specifically the Magi, all right? We're going to uh, turn to the table of contents. We do this every every week at Redemption. So you can do this, turn to the table of contents on your phone or in your physical Bible, and we're going to turn there together. We're specifically going to Matthew, so you'll see that's in the New Testament, all right? There's four Gospels there. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of open up the, the New Testament. Those are the four biographies of Jesus in Matthew Matthew and Luke are kind of the two like full uh, Christmas narratives, and so we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 2. And next week, we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2 as well. Before we read into this, though, um, let's talk about this. We're, we're going to spend just a moment kind of debunking some, some wrong beliefs that we have around uh, the wise men, the magi, and uh, also in the coming coming uh, you know uh, series, as we continue this series, before we get to January, you're going to hear a lot of things debunked, okay? The reality is that, that as Christians in America, um, Hallmark and uh, Disney and, you know, a lot of other things have really played into our misunderstandings of the actual Christmas story. Uh, the reality is that as we continue as a culture, as we continue to spend less time with, with Jesus and, and more time on this, you know, type of thing, right, um, as we spend less time in the Word and more time doing other things that are honestly, really, truly less important in many rights, um, we, we lose the reality of the Christmas story. And so each, each, uh, each year, we really need to kind of debunk and go back and, and look at, okay, but what really happened? Well, first of all, for the Magi, we know them as the three wise men, okay? Now, why do we know them as the three wise men? We know them as the three wise men because they brought three gifts. The reality is, Uh, It wasn't three of them. In fact, it was probably, you know, closer to a large group of 50 or so, okay? Because think about this. These three people of nobility, they were making a very long trek. In fact, that trek was 800 miles. And so for 800 miles, they were carrying three very precious and expensive gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, okay? These three things were given to kings, they were given to nobility, right? And so, 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 guess what? Three dudes are not traveling 800 miles with three treasure chests of of, of these gifts. This is not going to happen. So, uh, you know, most likely they had an entourage of guards with them. Uh, but beyond that, we don't know. I mean, it could have been could have been fifteen or twenty wise men, right? We don't know. So, but we know them as the three wise men because of three gifts. That's wrong. All right. Uh, something else. Um, have you ever heard them called the three kings, right? Well, why is that? Because we say, we three kings of orientar, right? Okay, we, we sing that in a song. That's wrong as well. Okay, they weren't kings. Um, also, the, the, the term wise men is a kind, of a, it's kind of a derivative of what they were really called. The actual word for them is magi, uh, or plural is magos. And, and essentially, the magos, or the magi, you know what, what they would do, uh, it, or, or what they were known for, um, isn't necessarily what you think they were known for. Uh, what they were known for is actually sorcery. What they were known for is being magicians, of being enchanters, of being necromancers, of, of uh, you know, um, all these things that throughout, and we're going to see this in Scripture, all these things that throughout Scripture were condemned by God, all right? And so these, these men, they, they came from Persia, Babylon, and India. This is where the Magi reigned from. This is where they came from. Um, and so this group of people... Um, you know, they, 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 they traveled 800 plus miles or so and, and, and this is what they were looking for. They were looking for the King of the Jews. We're going to see this in scripture. Okay. Um, and so let's, let's just jump in. I think that's all I want to say about them at this point. Um, oh, one more thing. I'm going to say this, um, timeline. Okay. So we, we were actually last night, we were having uh, dinner with some friends and, uh, and, and so we were saying this, they said, um, yeah, I thought that, like, you know, the, the uh, Magi were there, like, the day after Jesus was born. No, no, no. They were there two years after, okay? So it's it's somewhere two, two and a half years after Jesus was born. So when they came, Jesus was already talking. He was already walking. He was eating pita bread and hummus, okay? Like, like the dude was, was a full-on two-year-old, you know? And I don't know if you can imagine, but, like, an entire group of nobility, 50 to 100 people, are coming to see this diaper-filling, right, teeth-cutting, P flicking, two year old, right? I mean, that's who Jesus was. He was a real, real two year old who did fill his diapers, who did cut his teeth, and he probably flung food every now and then, right? So they they come 800 miles, and, and when they get there, Jesus is not a baby anymore. He's not he's not a little baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. Uh, that 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 happened on the night of his birth, but but not when the when the three magi arrived. Okay, so we're going to go to Matthew chapter two. We're going to start in verse two, and we're going to go through verse 12. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. By the way, next week, uh, Casey's going to be preaching on King Herod, so don't miss that. It's going to be incredible. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw what? His star. We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. As was everyone in Jerusalem. We called a meeting uh, of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. So they knew. Like they anticipated this. They, they knew what was coming. In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, uh, yeah, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you. Uh, Who will be the shepherd uh, for my people, Israel? Then Herod, he called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Yeah, sure. After the interview, the wise men, they, they went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. Interesting. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them uh, in a dream not to return to Herod. Okay, so verse 2 calls him king of the Jews. So like they knew, they knew his, they knew his, his uh, title, king of the Jews. So where did they get this from, all right? Uh, the other question is uh, that they follow this star, and they call it what? They called it his star, his star. So how did they know that? Well, in Numbers 24, verse 17, it says this. I see him, this is a, this is a prophecy, I see him but not here and now. I perceive him, but not far in the distant future. So this prophet is going like, no, God has given me this vision. I see him. I know he's going to be there. I perceive him, but he's not here yet. He's going to be here in the future, right? A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. See, it was prophesied 1,500 years before that there would be a ruler that would come out. These two prophecies that we just read, very different, these two prophecies that we just read talk about a ruler that's going to rise up and a star specifically is going to mark this ruler. Now, last night, uh, did anybody see the blood moon outside? The like super red moon, right? Crazy. Uh, we were reading this article and it was saying that, that this, is, this is Jesus' star is what they called it, Jesus' star. And it, it was the first time that you could see it like this in 800 years. Okay, really crazy. And so it was a super red, red moon. Uh, now, listen, that, that was not the star, okay? So they talk about that in the, uh, in the news and stuff. They call it Jesus' star. They call it his star. That, that's not what it was. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But, 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 but um, 1,500 years before that, it was prophesied that the star would rise up and that Jesus, specifically that Jesus would be a ruler, that he would have a, a kingdom. And, that his, and later on, you see in other prophecies in, in, um, in Isaiah, that his rule will never end. There will be no end to his rule. That's the the Jesus that we follow. That's the God that we follow. So these magi, they were well-read. Like, they knew all of this, right? They say, hey, we're going to see the king of the Jews. And and they specifically see the star rise, and they follow it. Now, they say they want to go worship him. But listen, they weren't worshiping him as a savior. They were going to worship him as a king. They believed him to be a king. They did not yet believe him to be a savior. And scripture is not clear, and history is not clear if we ever found them to actually worship him as God. Remember, what were the gifts that they brought him? They brought him frankincense, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those three gifts. Those are gifts to royalty. And so, so, you know, Jesus, as a baby, he gets these gifts. He's being worshiped as a king. He's not being worshiped as God, okay? He's being worshiped as a ruler. He's not being worshiped as a savior. All right, so verse 9, it says that the star that they were talking about, it, it guided them. Now, remember, I told you that, that their, their journey was 800 miles, and so uh, most historians, most theologians would say that, okay, they probably could travel close to 20 miles a day, all right? This means that, there, that, that if, if there was no hiccups, right, if nothing happened, if nothing went wrong, if there was no, like, heat stroke, if there was, if there was no rolled ankle, if, 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 if none of their camels needed new brakes and shoes and tires and, and all this stuff, right, like, if, if none of that happened, 40 days. Now, the reality is that it most likely was longer. Uh, We know that they stopped and they talked to Herod. Uh, You know, probably they stopped and talked to a distant cousin or something like that as well. I don't know what they did along the way, you know. And there was most likely some sort of turmoil that came up. So let's just say, let's say 50 days. It took them 50 days to go 800 miles, okay? What this proves, the reason I'm getting into this is that it proves that this isn't a shooting star it's not an asteroid it's not a meteor it's not something that is natural that could be explained see this star guided them for 50 days right and last night when we see this blood moon it was like as Brittany and i we were driving it was really dark red we're like man this is crazy it was like a little orangish and it was like, like kind of creamish and then it was like getting kind of white and we're like wait a minute like, it is like the color is going out of it, and, and it's, that's what happens, right? Because as the shadow of the, of the earth, you know, kind of moves, right, the, the, the moon changes color. Anyway, my point is this, that the moon couldn't stay that red. It couldn't change for 50 days, right? But, but this star guided them for 50 days. That's why most theologians believe that this was actually either one of two things. It was either an angel or it was a star, and God created the star for this very specific thing and, uh, and, and or, he, or he took a specific star and he moved it. Like, God manually, literally moved it, okay? Uh, but what I haven't seen is, is uh, you know, many theologians that believe that this is a natural star that still exists today in its natural form and shape, okay? So the, the Magi, they, they, they are following the star. Now, Corey, listen, uh, that's cool that you're, like, nerding out over a star. That's really cool that you're nerding out over the history of magi and who they are and what they were sorcerers and necromancers astrologers and all this stuff and enchanters and, and uh and this star awesome that's cool they were they were wise they were well read they knew to follow this star all these things blah 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 blah. but you know what i just want to enjoy christmas like i just want a sugar cookie every now and then you know it's a little bit of eggnog uh you know some time off some time with my family I just want to get that good deal on Amazon Day, right? Amazon Prime Day. I just want to get that good cyber Monday deal. I just want to get that Good Friday. Or, or, not Good Friday. was what, it called? Black Friday. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Good Friday is different. You know, that's, that's important to the church, but Black Friday. I, I just want to do all these things. I, what, what I don't want to do is nerd out over the, the idiosyncrasies of the magi in this star. Okay, here's the crux, though. Here's the crux of today's message. Here's the crux of today's sermon. When the Magi followed this star, it can be greatly argued that they were doing everything in their life in a way that was disobedient to God. Let me read this, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. God says in Deuteronomy, he says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be careful not to imitate detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering and do not let your, and do not let your people practice fortune telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune tellers, but the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Okay, remember, the Magi, they come from Persia, they come from Babylon. And many times throughout Scripture, in fact, about 15 times, God condemns sorcery and enchanting and, and, and magic and astrology, the worship of the stars, okay, all these things. God continually condemns worshiping creation rather than the creator. It happens all throughout scripture. And here you see the magi who aren't God-fearers. They're from Babylon. They're from Persia. They're of nobility there. And what that means is they're consultants to those who are royalty. And when you look in Daniel, in the book of Daniel talks about, um, you know, there's all these dreams that King Nebuchadnezzar has, and he wants them to be interpreted. So he first goes to who? The sorcerers, the enchanters, the astrologers, and what can they not do? They cannot interpret his dreams. And time after time after time in scripture, you see that those who are following God, right, like the the actual prophets, are, are at odds against the magi, against the wise men, against the sorcerers, the enchanters, the necromancers, the astrologers. So th- this is what I'm saying. When the Magi followed the star, God was speaking their language. And the language he was speaking was one that he had condemned for thousands of years. The bottom line today is that God enters into our sin. He enters into our sin. That God, now, now listen, what I'm not saying is this. What I'm, what I'm not saying is that sinning is Holy it's not what i'm not saying is that god sinned because he didn't but what i am saying is that god entered our sin we're going to unpack this and we're going to add to it as well but you see that the, the the magi they worship the stars they knew what to look for they, they they read of that prophecy it was interesting to them it was exciting for them they all knew about it the same way that i would sit in the front room of my grandmother's house and i would talk about those dear stories right like speaking my language you know and then, and then what happens is, as, as the magi, as, as they're speaking that language to one another, the prophecy is fulfilled. A star rises, and they go, this is the star that's going to take us to the king of the Jews. They called it what? They called it his star. They knew it. We don't, we don't know how. We don't know exactly how God worked in this, but they knew that it was his specific star. The very thing that God condemned for thousands of years, he actually used to lead them to his Son. God enters into our sin. Now, here's the thing. Uh, We serve a holy God, and he wants us to be holy, but here's what we have to realize. We have to realize that before we follow God, scripture says that we are dead in our sins. Let's look at these three verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. He's talking about spiritually. You're spiritually dead before Jesus. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. You were dead because of your sins and because of the sinful nature that was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ and he forgave all your sins. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1:18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. Uh, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. See, before Christ, we had nothing. <laughs> Before Christ, we weren't alive. Before Christ, all we knew was sin. I was talking to someone uh, a couple years ago, and, and, and they, they, were, they were just lamenting. They were going, you know what? I'm just tired of, of, of everybody's um, uh, bad motives. Like They just have bad motives for generosity. They have bad motives for this and bad motives for all these things. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? It's because it's all we have. It's all we have. Like like Truly deep down inside of us, I mean, rarely, rarely can we say like 100% our motives were 100% clean and pure. Because as much as we strive to be like Jesus, there is so much of a distance between us and him. We are not holy. And before Christ, we were completely dead in our sins, Scripture says. It's like this. It's like the words penned in 1772 in Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. See, before Christ, we were lost, we were blind. We were spiritually dead. The cross was foolishness to us. And, and through all of that, God enters into our sin. Through all of that, God speaks our language. He, he enters into the things, he enters into the things in our life that he knows will, will get our attention. How many times have you heard the story of someone goes, you know what, I wasn't following God. And then this thing happened in my life. And it was like God was talking to me. I just could I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it away. I just knew that God was saying something to me. And often when you hear what they talk about, you're like, huh, interesting. That, what you're saying is not necessarily biblical. It's not necessarily like, uh, okay, right? But for them, it's unmistakable. They knew that God was talking to them. And I suspect that the Magi were like this. I suspect that the Magi were going, you know what? Like, man, I, I, I just know for a fact that there's something here, something, something that's supernatural, right? And they followed the star. God was speaking their language. But here's the reality God enters our sin to invite us in. That's the finish of it. God doesn't just enter into our world, He doesn't just speak our language, He doesn't just provide a star. But God enters our sin to invite us in. See, He wants us to be with him. God, God doesn't want us to be out in the rain, out in the cold by ourselves. God knew that uh, before he's in our life that you're not paying attention to him. You don't have the words, you don't have the language. It's like talking to a baby. Then You give a, a full sentence to a baby, you're, you're not, you're not going to have a conversation with that baby. And so he speaks our language, he enters in, but he does so to invite us in. So this Christmas season, I think that God is calling us not to sin. Again, I need to be clear about this. But God's calling us to, to enter into people's lives, to get on their level, to be with them. Like Christ entered the world. Uh, Philippians, we're going to read it at the, at the very last thing we're going to do today is we're going to read Philippians chapter 2. But it talks about God entering into our world. He, he, he veiled the things. That that, that that made him god he veiled other things he took on the likeness of humanity and he became a human on earth he endured the cross right he entered into our world the sinful world he went from heaven to sin to the sinful world he entered into that sin into the world he was immersed by he remained holy but he was immersed by sin all around him So what world can you enter this holiday season? Whose world can you enter this holiday season, this Christmas season? Like Christ, he spoke the language of the Magi. He did so without sinning, but he spoke the language of the Magi. What cultural language can you learn to speak in order to love others this holiday season? Like Christ, he came down to our level. What level can you get on this holiday season? in order to point others toward Jesus. So we believe at, at uh, Redemption, we believe that God set the stage in the person of Jesus. When, when God the Father sent his son Jesus to the earth, he set the stage for us. And we get to model, uh, or rather we get to mimic what he modeled, right? See, Jesus, he modeled for us to enter someone else's world to get on their level, to speak their language, to step out of our comfort zone. I mean, listen, Jesus had all the comfort in the world, and he stepped out of that comfort. He stepped out of that comfort to come to earth. And so we have the opportunity to to enter someone else's world, to speak their language, to get on their level, to love them and tell them the story of Jesus this holiday season. And so how are you inconveniencing yourself this holiday season? What are you doing in your life, to step out of your comfort zone, to enter into another world, to, to speak someone else's language, to get on their level. Um, Kerry Newhoff, he said this, it's an incredible quote, he said, No one should out-local the local church. No one should out-local the local church. And so collectively, redemption. How can we speak the language of our culture? Collectively, how can we enter into the lives of our neighbors with the love of Jesus this holiday season? Um, I'm going to end by just, just giving you a kind of a sneak peek that we're really excited about. Um, we've been working for the last two months or so on a specific strategy of just ways to get to know our neighbors, even during a pandemic, to, to outreach to them, to love them, to care for them, to find out their needs, to pr- provide valuable resources for them that are, are going to help them. And uh, it's going to be coming out here in, uh, the, towards the end of February is the, is the schedule. And uh, and so you know we've been working for this. So like keep keep your eyes and ears open and peeled for all this. But um, we want to, with everything that we are, we want to be creative about how we fulfill the Great Commission, about how we go to the to the nations, everyone in the world, and we tell them about the good news of the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. No one should outlocal the local church. And so this season, how can we be local? How can we love our neighbors? How can we enter another world? How can we speak another language? How can we get on their level to love them? Let me pray. Father, you are so good, and uh, and you gave us, um, you you gave us the the template. You give us the blueprint um, to love others. And though we don't know the exact how, it's not it's not fully spelled out for us. We know this that we have to be um, we have to we have to change our lives. We have to. We have to step out of our comfort zone. We have to enter into another world. We have to speak another language. We have to get on someone else's level. God, I pray that you would teach us um, how to do that without sinning ourselves, because your son Jesus, he entered this world. Um, he invited us in. He did all these things. He entered, entered into the sin. He, he invited us but he didn't sin. And so, God, we, we are... We struggle with all that. It's not its not easy for us. Um, so God, I pray that you would teach us how to do that and uh, that you would give us wisdom and that you would guide us and that you would keep our, our feet from, from, from stumbling. Uh, you would keep us on straight and narrow, but ultimately that you would receive glory this holiday season. And that people that we know, friends and neighbors and family members, that they would turn their hearts and their lives over to you this holiday season. And it's all it says we ask and pray for. In the precious name of your son, Jesus.